Welcome to Westside Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. But you asked for it, and you got it. <laughs> Here we're actually going to tackle the end times. Um, we have we've dealt with some interesting topics for this podcast over the last few months, but this one is, uh, for me, it's very personal um, because I have always had a kind of a strained relationship with the you know prophecy in the Bible. If you grew up in church or what kind of church background you may have had, you you might understand what I'm talking about. Um, you know. We're talking about something called eschatology, which is yep. just the study of end things. Mm-hmm. And um, and I got my brother, Randy Frazee, who is here with us today to... An expert. An expert. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, he did go to Dallas Theological Seminary. Yes. So we know this is where he, what he lives and breathes. Uh, I'll, and, I'll tell you about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, he's going to unpack the scriptures for us here. And, but just to tell you just briefly for myself, you know, when I was a kid, um, my parents took me to, you know, these little churches in Colorado and... And it just seems like everywhere we went, they were obsessed with end times. That they were all that we're talking. There was like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, Sunday night was the Bible study, and the pastor would bring out his charts, and they would write the timelines down and the arrows. And there was a cross, and there was a rapture, and you know. And then this at this time, I was old enough that all those old movies were coming out, like A Thief in the Night, uh-huh, yeah, and Crossing the Switchblade, Crossing the Switchblade, yeah, two yeah. men walking up a hill, <laughs> one disappears. Behind One yeah. is landing still. <laughs> yep. I wish we. I was in high school ready. when yep. that stuff was happening, and so Daryl Mansfield and all those bands—they were just—it it was a really big deal. Uh, there was a book came out called *The Late Great Planet Earth* yeah. by Hal Lindsey that Lindsay. was a really, really big thing, and so. It seemed like everywhere I went, people were obsessed with this topic. Yeah. But the problem with it for me was something like my my mom would have said. It's like you know these people are so heavenly minded; they're of no, no earthly good. Yeah, good. And it was almost it was a new kind of legalism in under the guise of oh we want to know the depths of Scripture. We really weren't loving our neighbor, right. and so. I really had a strained relationship with all this stuff. It's like I kind of dismissed it and walked away from it. And as I've gotten older, it's actually become a lot more rich and beautiful to me. Do you realize that about 27% of the Bible is prophetic? Yeah. Right? There are 300 verses that point to the -hmm. first coming of Jesus, right, to the advent. There are twice that many talking about his second coming. That's right. And about one out of every 30 verses in the Bible refers to Jesus' second coming or the end times themselves. So really what God is giving us is this big picture of the meta narrative of his relationship with humanity. And and he wants us to know these things. At the beginning of the book of Revelation, he says, blessed are you who reads the words of this prophecy. And so I think we ignore that not only to our peril, but we ignore what the Christians have been calling for millennia, the blessed hope hope. of what God is bringing Mm -hmm. to us. So we want to just kind of approach this with some humility here today, Mm -hmm. approach it with some open-handedness, and at the same time, we both have a certain kind of education and experience with certain interpretations yeah. when you talk about prophecy and especially something like the book of Revelation. Yeah, I want to say a couple things. One, that was a great introduction, you know, because there is uh, there's a lot of intellectual 
interaction with this, but then there's this emotional encounter with right. it as well, and there's a balance. And, right. and we want to end this time really uh, calling us all as Christ followers mm -hmm. to what the intent of a conversation what like is. What is the godly is. response? What How is, is our posture supposed to relate to the rest of the world? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a similar story, you know, uh, you know, coming to Christ in 1974, and I've told my story here at Westside mm -hmm. before. You know, I was invited to a independent Baptist church, yeah. uh, and everything was hellfire and brimstone, and everything was about the imminent return of Christ. Right. You know, imminent means at any moment. And uh, they taught that all week. And I've never been in church in my life. And, <laughs> That's and, a lot to take in. And I'm like, Jesus is coming back. And uh, and if, if two men walking up a hill, when, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to be the one left behind because my parents never took me to church. And holy crud. And, and they got me, gave me the, this impression as a 14-year-old boy that mm -hmm. Jesus was coming back on Friday at the end of vacation right. Bible school. As we told the story before, I'm like, man, I got in under the wire on this thing. I'm like, okay, how do I secure this deal? Because, man, it's going to be hellfire and brimstone. I'm going to be yep. left behind, and it's going to be crazy. And, mm -hmm. and so they scared the Hades out of you is what they did. Well, it worked. Because, man, I'm thinking burning flesh and just never mm. dying and locusts and plagues and, and, and fire it's, from heaven so it's, mm. it's a fearful sort of thing and mm -hmm. and there there's a part of it that is fearful but um and uh, what i realized that god did not save me from hell mm -hmm. that actually hell you know hell is uh, is not it was never intended for us you know right. uh, c.s lewis says god's just simply honoring your decision and you, you don't want to be a part of his kingdom and so there's got to be some place so that an intermediate state that you know god isn't saving me from hell he's saving me for a relationship with him right. and that's where this beauty mm -hmm. sort of comes out well i decided to go into ministry at the age of 15 and i did my undergraduate work at a uh, at a school in missouri mm -hmm. that is for independent baptist that in missouri, is in springfield in springfield missouri all right that is very bent toward one position that we're going to talk to you about. And uh -huh. then I ended up going to Dallas Seminary, which for many, many years was sort of the central hub right. of this particular. So I've got eight years of theological training around one particular yeah. point of view. But I don't think our time today is de is de is designed to tell you which one of these views to hold, mm -hmm. but rather to give, develop a framework <clears throat> and right. for you to sort of let it uh, really do a good work in your life. So mm -hmm. are we ready to dive in kind of like a big picture? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, most of you might be familiar with uh, Tim LaHaye's and Jerry Jen Jenkins' mm -hmm. books that came out a number of years ago called the Left Behind series. There were like four movies that got made based on these books, and they weren't very good. But <laughs> but they did kind of give you the, a particular viewpoint, which is probably the one you're coming from, yep. from Dallas Seminary, which we would, we'll, we'll get to here in a minute. Um, so a lot of people are familiar with this kind of uh, take on the end times, a lot of evangelical Christianity tends to lean yeah. this direction, but there have been a number of different views held over the last couple of millennia that we're going to attempt to just at least introduce you to. That's right. So we're going to do that now. A little side note, though, um, uh, it was uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. Yeah. And Jerry Jenkins' son, Dallas Dink Jenkins, oh. is the one behind this new series on uh, yeah, uh, the Chosen called, called The Chosen. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. he wanted to kind of like move into that space, but maybe have more people broadly right. take a look at it. So uh, I did a little podcast, a little interview with him for an upcoming series we're going to be doing. Oh, West that's side. really cool. And so we're going to a little interview on twat, uh, plot, plot twist. And so actually Dan Beeble <laughs> did. It's kind of cool. So here's the big deal. I got this chart, and y y those of you listening yeah. online, aren't YouTube gonna, people will be able to see. This is kind of the chart that he was referring to. The pastor would come up and he'd write things uh -huh. on. But I wrote this as a way to 
try to uh, make it a super simple to get a framework. So what we're trying to do mm-hmm. now is a framework. So here we go. So we know Jesus' first coming. Right. Okay, 5 B.C. Mm-hmm. issues. He came five years before he was born. You know, and, <laughs> uh, and that's the birth of Christ. Everybody right. in the world celebrates Christmas, mm-hmm. and we know this is the birth of Christ. But a lot right. of people today don't realize he's coming again. Right. I mean, you and I know that. Maybe a lot of people do. Right. But there's a lot of people like, Jesus is coming again. Right. And as you so uh, uh, ac- accurately uh, played out, there's a lot of scripture about the mm-hmm. second coming of Jesus. Right. And in our uh, in our podcast, What Happens After You Die, most people put all of their energy on our bodies dying mm-hmm. or giving out and going to heaven. Right. There's like three passages of scripture on the intermediate state from death mm-hmm. to the return of Christ. Right. It is all about the second coming of Christ. <laughs> now, when Christ comes back, there's one view that's called amillennial. Mm-hmm. A millennial, which means simply no yeah, millennial. No millennium. No millennial, which is a thousand years. Right. So uh, if you go to Revelation chapter 19, mm-hmm. 20 through 21, 22, mm-hmm. and you just read it plainly, the right. idea is when Jesus returns, uh, he, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. Mm-hmm. And at that great white throne judgment, uh, those who, who, uh, who were dead and uh, their bodies were had given out, and their spirits are in Hades, mm-hmm. uh, in hell. Uh, will be resurrected, and they will stand before the great white throne judgment to uh, and to, to discover to be judged against their works and whether their names are written in the book of life. Right. And and basically that day, uh, Satan and his demons, uh, death and illness. And those who did not believe will be thrown into the lake of fire. Believers will receive a resurrected body, mm-hmm. an imperishable body, and we will experience a judgment, but not the great white throne judgment. Right. It's just called Judgment Day. We'll be, we'll be judged for our works. Mm-hmm. And so my idea on that is that not that believers are judged, you know, and there's going to be this like movie of all the bad things they've ever done in their mm-hmm. life. I don't see any real scripture evidence for that. You're going to be judged on your works, good and bad. And it has to do with position and, and response responsibility in the right. eternal kingdom is how I understand right. it okay so there's this great white throne judgment and then there's the judgment and after that we enter into this eternal kingdom mm-hmm. on a new earth right. new earth new that Jerusalem we talk, new Jerusalem and earth mm-hmm. okay so that's all millennial and yeah. that is the position at least for a number of years I haven't mm-hmm. checked it lately that the majority of like the Catholic the Church, Catholic Church uh, the a Presbyterian mm-hmm. your, your mainline denominational right. churches almost all of them held to this all millennial position right. it's super super simple Jesus Christ is going to return there's going to be this judgment mm-hmm. and then there's going to be this new kingdom right. this new jerusalem set up on earth and uh, and what they so what do they do with all of those these odd scriptures like mm-hmm. daniel chapter 9 and or the rest and, of revelation the rest yeah. of revelation yeah, yeah. that we all skip over you know <laughs> i mean i i'm going to one day but i've never taught through the book of revelation oh yeah i think you need i think you need to understand something before you teach it to other people <laughs> and it's just all this language well what they do is they take that language uh it, it, the genre mm-hmm. of it as being uh as being symbolic right. allegorical mm-hmm. and not to be taken literally it doesn't mean they don't yeah. take the bible literally they just don't take that they see that liter- right. literature as being well, and another, another view that is also <clears throat> one sub view of that is a preterist view, which they basically believe all of those revolu- uh, the tribulation time of revelation, those things are all 
happened in the first century yeah. when yeah. the church experienced its initial persecution after AD 70, when Rome was, or not, when Jerusalem was sacked by the Romans mm-hmm. and you had all this horrible persecution of Christians, they will say that that was, already that already happened. happened. That yeah. happened way back then. Yeah, that's so not that's a future they, thing, that's a past Yeah, thing. so they don't dismiss it. They just explain it as something that's already happened. Mm-hmm. So view number one is called Amillennial. Amillennial. It's the simplest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to take a stab at post-millennial? Yeah. So post-millennial basically says it, it's similar to Amillennialism in that it, it thinks this thousand-year reign is more symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily specifically a thousand years, but it is a, a long period of time in this view where the church is going to evangelize the earth and usher in the second coming. So things are going to keep getting better, right? right. Mm-hmm. Not get keep getting worse. So this view is held uh, for a long, long time, but then right around uh, World War I, people quit holding it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> things were clearly not getting yeah. better. Um, and World War II, it almost dropped completely off the map. It's kind of gotten a little bit of resurgence here it recently. Has. And but, then 2020 hit. Yeah, right. And then 2020 is like... Not getting better, um, <laughs> but let's, let's hope that it does. But um, it, And it also looks at a lot of prophecy from Daniel, prophecy from Revelation, from First, Second Thessalonians, First, Second Peter, as being more or less uh, allegorical yeah. in some way. And they can also hold this pre-tourist view yeah. mm-hmm. of a lot of the... Um, like when you, you look at the book of Revelation, chapter one through three is sort of introductory, introduces mm-hmm. you to the the seven churches, and we, we talk about that if you yeah, want to, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got chapters four and five, which is the view of heaven. Then six through 19 is this breakdown of the tribulation period, right? And then you get after 19, you get to 20, you got the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then um, 21, 22, you've got a new heaven and a new earth. So... What they try to take those the middle tribulation passages of chapter six through nineteen, and they tr- they basically attribute all of that to the first century. Yeah. Um, so whether you agree with that or not, that that's basically how they they deal with some of the um, more difficult, you know, the a desolation that ca- the abomination causes desolation, and all those prophecies about the antichrist and all these other things. They they basically say that's already occurred. That's right. And and, and and part of the justification for that is those first three chapters are speaking to real live mm-hmm. historical churches in the first century, Laodicea right. and right. Ephesus. Thyatira, and Thyatira, Thyatira yeah. all of them are real churches. And so, um, so it's the point of view that they take on how they approach this. So mm-hmm. review. So Christ has come back one time, mm-hmm. and the first time, and his, and he's, and he, the first coming of Christ, and now the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Millennial basically yeah. says, you know, there's none of us stuff pre; mm-hmm. it's already happened, you know, and we got uh, Christ is going to return, judgment, eternal kingdom, right. new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Postmillennial is right. similar to it mm-hmm. in that they they they, but but the real unique thing here is that they believe the church is going to usher right. it in by things getting better. Wow, you know, if we t- picked a view based upon what you want to see happen. <laughs> the last hundred years. Yeah. Oh, man, I love postmillennialism. But we got to be super careful when we study right. the scriptures not to not to come to the interpretation that right. we want, right. but to the interpretation right. that really is there. And that view really has fallen had fallen off for quite a while. Right, right. Um, and, and even the amillennialists are, are held, uh, that's probably the one that's got the most traction in, in evangelical Christianity, yeah. apart from the, this last view we're going to talk about yeah. here. Okay, so the last view. So we have mm-hmm. amillennial, no millennial, post-millennial, mm-hmm. meaning that Christ is going to return after the millennial and the church is going to make things better. Right. The one that I was raised in and my schooling is in is called pre-millennial, mm-hmm. right? Which means that Christ is going to return before, uh, Christ is going to actually 
the uh, return and get the church before the millennial actually takes place. Right. So here it is. There's uh, okay, you got help me. So we got a thousand years, okay, and then before the thousand years, there is the seven-year tribulation mm -hmm. period, okay, and there is the belief. There's three beliefs within there. There's going to be seven years of tribulation, right. followed by the thousand-year literal reign of Christ right. on earth, followed by the great white throne judgment and the new Jerusalem and the eternal kingdom. So got mm -hmm. that? So the seven-year tribulation is a, a period of time when the Antichrist and Satan are ruling. Mm -hmm. So some people believe uh, pre-trib is that Jesus is going to return and rapture mm -hmm. rapture the church right. and you know that's that the the era that we were brought in the right. church the dead is in be, christ and people who yep. are living in they're going to be raptured up mm -hmm. he's going to meet him in the sky and the church is going <clears> to <throat> be gone for seven years mm -hmm. and then at the end of the seven years we're coming back following jesus on a white horse with mm -hmm. a sword coming out of his mouth mm -hmm. and uh and then basically we're going to be a part of a battle at the beginning of the right. millennial called Armageddon. Armageddon. Okay, yeah. it's not just a movie that Bruce Willis did, right? It's, it's Armageddon. It's a space epic. Yeah. It's a space epic, yeah. okay? So, so there's a seven-year period of tribulation. The first view is called pre-tribulation, mm -hmm. pre-millennial, meaning right. that Christ is going to come before right. the tribulation, mm -hmm. and he's going to take the church away, and Satan is, and, and the Antichrist are going to reign for seven years, and it's going to be bad. You're going to take the mark of the beast and mm -hmm. all that, and then we're going to come back with Christ at the end of the seven right. years, and we're going to take things back through a mm -hmm. battle called Armageddon. Right. Set up the millennium. And, and then there will be a literal thousand-year reign before the new kingdom and the new Jerusalem mm -hmm. comes where Christ is going to reign on the earth right. uh, for a thousand years, and I'm assuming there's no death, I guess, during that period of time? Or? Yeah, there's a lot of different people who... Different thoughts on it and the, the you, know, you can have children in that period of time yeah. and your children might be born you know and they might make sinful choices still even though you're under the peaceful reign of christ yeah. and uh, that which is why satan once again you know he gets time to to do whatever it is he wants to do before he's cast into the lake of fire there you go so so seven year tribulation jesus comes back before it begins the mm -hmm. church is gone up in the sky uh and we get a resurrected body then and uh, then uh, at the end of the seven years, mm -hmm. we're going to come back. There's Armageddon. And then there's this thousand-year reign right. before the great white throne judgment and before the new Jerusalem and the new right. kingdom. The second view, these are just really simple. Right. Go back to that seven years. Right. So there's pre-trib. Mm -hmm. There's some people that believe it's mid-trib. Right. There's going to be the first three years where it's really, really bad. And mm -hmm. then the last three years, it begins to turn a little bit. And the church comes down right. in the middle of that. And the last one is called post-trib, meaning that... This is the one I don't want to like at all. <laughs> this it's is like, definitely the We're the, going the, to experience seven right. years with Satan and the Antichrist <clears throat> reigning and ruling in 2020 and 2021, right. starting to feel a little bit like that for some people, but I think it gets uh, <laughs> Hades of a lot it's worse. A whole lot worse. You know, and, uh, and, there, and, and at the end of the seven years, which uh -huh. has been horrific, Christ is going to return, mm -hmm. and there's going to be Armageddon, a thousand year right. reign. And then the Great White Throne Judgment. So, and so this kingdom. event you're talking about here, there, there's some discussion about is the rapture. The rapture. Right? It's what Paul talks about in First and Second Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of the primary places where you see the, mm -hmm. that referred to. And it is, it is mm -hmm. Jesus gathering the church. Yep. And then at the end of the tribulation, Jesus returns with the church. Mm -hmm. Okay, And so the question is, is, is he gather the church before, in the middle of? So the tribulation is broken up into seven years. The first three and a half years is the tribulation. The second three and a half is called the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. The first three and a half is where the Antichrist or the beast. Oh, that's right. It's right? the other way. I yeah. explained it wrong. Yeah. The yeah. first year, it's like everyone's going to like what he does. They're going to like what he does. He's yeah. going to sway that's a lot right. of people. You're going to get the 144,000 Jewish witnesses. Mm -hmm. You're going to get two, uh, the two Jewish 
Jewish witnesses, which we think are going to be Moses and Elijah. They're going to do all this miraculous stuff. The 144,000 are going to attempt to evangelize the Jews of the world and, and, and the Gentiles. And in that first three and a half years, it's going to be bad, but it's going to be like this guy seems to be a man of peace. And some people believe he's going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And then at three and a half years, he's going to set himself up in the temple of Jerusalem as God. Mm -hmm. And he's going to demand worship from the world now. And you could talk about the mark of the beast and all these other things. And then the last three and a half years are going to be the great tribulation, which is way, way, way worse uh, in terms of the uh, persecution of the saints, the persecution of people who become believers in that seven-year period. And I, you know, having spent eight years studying that particular view, <laughs> right. uh, that particular view, exactly right. I mean, um, what I like about, let's talk about what we like mm-hmm. about each yeah. of the views, okay? Uh, so what I like about amillennialism mm-hmm. is, number one, the vast majority of church scholars throughout the centuries have embraced that view. That usually that usually right. says something. Starting to, with Augustine. Starting with Augustine, mm-hmm. t- take that view. It's the simplest, mm-hmm. and it's something that we all can be unified around. Right. The, the position of amillennialism is we all embrace. He's the, coming he's again. He's coming again, yeah. and he's going. There's going to be judgment, and there's right. going to be the new Jerusalem and the new earth. And so, mm-hmm. if you just want, you know, the, everybody is unified on right. that. And so I, that's one of the reasons I like it. Uh, postmillennialism, the reason I like it, is because uh, because it has a positive view it's on life. Hopeful, yeah. And my blood type is B, B positive. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I like that idea. Uh, I, I think it's a bit naive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I do like the. I, I wish that would be the case. That that the the, the work that we're doing at Westside and other churches mm-hmm. in Kansas City and around the world right. are doing through the one campaign will be this triumphant church revival around the world. We're yeah. making ground. We're not like we're not mm-hmm. we're not losing ground, but we're making ground. And, right. and we're gonna, you know, I love that. I love right. the positive nature of that, mm-hmm. and I love what it does to my soul to think that we're actually bringing about positive mm-hmm. change. What I like about the premillennial view. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-trip, post-mid-trip, that's the premillennial view, is that it, it it tries to really dive into the scriptures mm-hmm. and take them literally. Right. You know, I'm not sure that they're doing it justice by taking it all literally, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the work that they're doing to try to, to, to describe right. these future events. How about you? Right. Well, I the, one of the issues I have with... Uh, the amillennialists and and the the uh, postmillennialists is just that you have to dismiss so much yeah. prophecy, right. whether you allegorize it or make it symbolic or whatever it is. Man, you got to dance so hard to make those things be as symbolic as you want them to be. Yeah. That I kind of it makes me queasy. Yeah, um, yeah. I that's good. And, but when I get to the and obviously there's lots of different room for interpretation you know like you know if if we the rapture happens and i'm not left i immediately move to a mid-trib position (laughs) right and after three and a half years without hesitation i am a post-tribulational pre-millennial person so you know so i'm i've got some flexibility built into my thinking in this regard but but i honestly think one of the things that i think is beautiful about the pre uh pre-millennial position is there's so many places in the scripture where it says that his church will not endure the day of wrath. Yeah, that's good. That his church will not endure the day of wrath. And so that he's going to gather his church to himself before all of this warning and all these signs happen. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. and then this idea that he has gathered his church to himself and then he is sending witnesses out for himself for one last shot to bring people into the fold. Um 
to me, that's got the most explanatory power of the way I see, especially the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. And then when Paul talking about this, this rapture, which is this gathering that doesn't have any signs attached to it. Yeah. But you have a ton of signs attached to the the second coming, right? Yeah. The the when Jesus comes with with the church. So um if you really want to take pro- all that prophecy seriously, certainly the amillennial view is simpler. Yeah. Right? And if all of a sudden Jesus comes back and it's like, "Well, great. Okay. Fine." Then right. tribulation must have been in the first century, but um it's possible that that could have been a a forerunner to the ultimate tribulation happening at the end of time. Uh, That's right. At the end of days. Yeah, I think yeah. this is a, <clears throat> such a, a, a you know a, a, a great discussion because um, you know you know where I've where I've gone as a pastor uh, in the last fifteen or so years is trying to introduce people to the basic idea that Jesus <laughs> is coming again, right, and that the Bible is filled. With the predictions and the an explanation of this, and if I can get people to believe that, then we'll move to step two. Right. right. But again, I what I've been working with, we've all mm-hmm. been working with, is the 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 Christian community believing that when they die, right. they go to heaven, and there's the pearly gates <coughs> and all of that stuff. Right. And I I've been trying for a long time now. And uh, to get people to realize that mm-hmm. that is just an intermediate place and that Christ is coming again. There's this eternal kingdom with mm-hmm. the new Jerusalem on earth. And I thought, well, when I get that accomplished, then I'll move on and say, hey, by the way, there's these other views. And so that's why I'm appreciative of the podcast because yeah. I wouldn't do this on Sunday morning <laughs> right. because it's I mean, a lot. They're like, they're like yeah. okay, go back again. So Jesus is coming again. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to throw the people on a Sunday morning in the bus, but under the bus that they don't know. But, you know, we have a lot, you know, a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible and mm-hmm. some are coming in fresh. And it's a little right. bit overwhelming. Again, premillennial right. position, uh, to your your point of view, I think um, is uh, the I think the one that um, uh, that that deals with the volume of texts that are on it. They're doing right. the very best right. they possibly can to understand it, and uh, it's something to be pursued. And mm-hmm. it also has a sense of urgency mm-hmm. about it that really right. gives you a sense of oh my gosh. Well, you get a sense that that God is is trying to give us he wants us to have this information and it's not so much like that because you're going to predict when it happens because jesus said no man knows the hour right Mm -hmm. not not even the angels not even the sun knows the hour when this is going to occur so first of all quit trying to predict when jesus is coming back because you're jinxing it for the rest of us yeah (laughs) okay i put see jesus came at 5 bc we know that Uh i know it's hard for some of you to believe he came five years before his birth but that's (laughs) probably a true five to six bc when it comes to second coming big question mark you know anybody that says they know it now you know i would just say uh like run um, you know, <laughs> yeah. run. Well, and the thing is, is obviously, you know, Jesus said very clearly, you should be watching. That yeah. This is, we're telling yeah. you all these things for a reason and that it's, there's there's a beauty to God, God's unfolding the whole story for us through his prophetic word. Once again, if we believe the 300 prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. and we are confident in that, and we are overwhelmed by the statistical anomaly that yeah. that has to yeah. have, and there are twice that many yeah. scriptures pointing towards his second coming. I need to take that really seriously, yeah. and I need to take that with uh, urgency and enough import and enough weight that that's not an accident. It's not this thing, oh, I'll just, well, I'll understand it whenever it happens. It's like, no, God's giving this to his church for a reason, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Even though it's a hard thing 
and it can be kind of obtuse and you know odd at times because the language is so strange. But all I, we, we know one thing, he's coming again. We know we're closer to it than we were yesterday. Yeah. And we continue to move in the direction of that. And there are a few things. Can I just di- dig into one kind of nerdy thing, you yeah, know, just yeah. for a second here? So, um, one of the things about the uh, this pre-tribul uh, pre-millennial view is that there are some certain signs that tell us you're getting closer. Jesus talked about like, and you see the buds coming up on the trees. You know, it's pretty soon. It's getting ready to give you fruit. You see the signs and the weather. These kinds of things are telling you that something is coming. You're closer than you were before. Mm-hmm. Um, 1948. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> we're you ready? Go, you ready for that? We're going to go there. We're going there just okay. real quick. All right. Okay. There are a couple of signs that are really big in terms of people who study this kind of stuff. One of them happened in 1948 when the UN created or recognized Israel as a nation. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on how you do the math, Israel had not been a nation, a sovereign nation in its own homeland for somewhere between 2,000 and 2,900 years, depending on like how you, you know, they've always been occupied or ruled by a foreign power or something like that. But when that happened, that's like called, that's like the super sign. It's like nobody saw that coming, but it's predicted in Ezekiel. It's predicted in Isaiah. It's Jesus said things pertaining to that, that it's predicted all throughout the scripture that Israel was going to occupy Israel. Mm And when that happened, it was like, what? They haven't had their own land for how long? Uh At least 2,000 years. So anybody who's paying attention to Scripture is going, whoa, you better be looking. And then another piece of it, Jesus said that, you know, the gospel is going to be preached to all the earth Mm -hmm. as that has to happen before his coming. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Depending on how you measure it, <laughs> uh-huh. you could say that Charles, uh, Dr. Charles Stanley completed the Great Commission when he got his uh, radio broadcast on shortwave all over the planet. Yeah. Some people will say that it, it means there's a church in every nation. Some people will say that it's a, you've got the gospel in every language. Uh-huh. Regardless of how you measure it, we're awfully close. Oh, yeah. We're very, very close. Yeah, on the translation, you know, is which I, is a, I'm a big fan of in our one campaign is <clears throat> right. all about these audio recordings. Mm-hmm. And we just did one in the Pry language, right. a group of people that never had the word before. There, uh, There is a, a collective of translators uh, right. that are saying 2033, we're going to be done. Everyone's going to have at least the gospel uh-huh. in their own heart language. And therefore, justice has been served. All nations have heard. <sighs> And that this could usher in the kingdom of God, you know. That's a pretty, you know, to say, hey, would you like to, uh, what's your, your return on investment? Well, if you get this audio recording, uh, you could be a part of ushering in the second, <laughs> the second coming, coming, of, coming of Jesus. How's that yeah. for a return on investment? <laughs> exactly. So so that, so that there, but there is that. And, and I think that there's there's something about that that enables us to to engage in it and to participate right. on it and not to be see, seem to be so distant from it right. that our actions as believers is somehow if you're post millennial mm-hmm. you're you know it's all going to move to something that is great but as a even if a premillennial is basically saying you were know, doing our part to evangelize mm-hmm. uh, because it really does matter right. what you believe about Christ and uh, and getting the scriptures or the word mm-hmm. out to all nations will usher in the the at, the, at just the right time it'll usher in uh, the return of Christ right. whatever particular view you hold to it, right. which is pretty exciting. Well, and in just depending on you know which view you take and how you view the prophecies and all that, we don't need to get too deep into it. There's a lot of great stuff been written about it, but I think the biggest piece of it for me is it gives me a perspective on who I am. Yeah. 
Um, you know, Scripture says that, that you are a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, you're a peculiar people, yeah. right? You are not of this world. And if you think about that in terms of this meta-narrative of God's relationship with mankind, and the second, the, the returning of Jesus for him to set up this kingdom, however, you know, however that ends up working out. And I am an active participant in that. I think what it does, it's, it's so hopeful, mm-hmm. you know, it's so beautiful. There is a joyful, hopeful expectation. And I think that's the reason Jesus said, be watching, be looking, because this is part of who you are as one of my people, as a part of my church, my bride. And so... It's a perspective giver for me. And when we're embroiled in all the chaos yeah. of culture, of dealing with pestilence around the world and you know global warming and political turmoil and yeah. racial turmoil and all of these things, it's like, you know, Jesus said it's gonna be hard. Yeah, he but did. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And by the way, you are mine. You are a royal priesthood. Yeah. You are a chosen people. And I think it gives us the capacity to rise above the fray yeah. and say, I'm called to walk in love yeah. and joyful expectation. Yeah, yeah, because this is how we know how our story ends, exactly. and so therefore, no matter how bad things get, uh, we are going to overcome. We are right. overcomers, and that's why you know in scriptures, uh, Paul encourages us that you should sit around and talk about these things mm-hmm. to encourage one another. So when you're in the depth of the COVID pandemic or whatever it's going on in the mm-hmm. world and it's creating all kinds of trauma, we sit around and say, but yeah, this is not how my story mm-hmm. ends. And the more right. you sit around and talk about it right. for the purpose of not being sort of arrogant about like right. uh, and, and geekish about it, you started off with this idea that, um, you know, that, you know, the, the, in the early days, you know, people sort of geeked out on it, right. but they weren't really loving their neighbor mm-hmm. and all this, but they thought, man, I'm a real mature Christian because I can right. decipher Dan, uh, Daniel's 70th right. week. It can breed the separatist kind yeah, of mentality. I know yeah. about all this and I've got all this knowledge. Hubris, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a hubris, exactly mm-hmm. right. And as opposed to the opposite, you know, I think we should engage in good biblical interpretation and be curious about mm-hmm. it, but it ultimately leads to what I wrote down is three things. Number, or yeah, maybe four things. Number one is it, it should, one, it should encourage you mm-hmm. and give you hope. Yeah. Uh, it should give you hope, and that is the hope of glory, the hope mm-hmm. that we know how our story ends, we are victorious. I think also the scripture says um, that it should lead you to a life of purity. If you know that the bridegroom is coming back at any moment, and you want to be prepared, you should live a life today so that when he arrives, you know, you're living a life of purity. It should cause you to, to pursue not mm-hmm. legalism, but a, but godliness and, and virtue. Right. And then I think the other thing is, it should do is to change, should change the way you see your neighbor. You should long for them mm-hmm. to have access to this same hope, right. and it should cause you to want to share the story uh, with your life and with the words that you give. Yeah. Well, we've got, we live with so much anxiety. There's so much ang- so much hurt. There's so much fear. There's so much anger. Mm-hmm. So much hostility in the world, and it just seems like it's. I know it sounds odd because you know a couple of old guys talking, but like it just keeps getting worse yeah. in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It was bad in the '60s, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. just like wow, it's so ramped up and it's so hot right now. And as a Christ follower, it's like I'm a person of peace. Mm-hmm. I'm a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I'm here to to be a purveyor of hope, not of condemnation. Yeah. And so I think it just gives me that kind of little extra motive and little extra elevation yeah. 
to see the world around me through some different eyes and to say, you know, Jesus is coming again. And one day all the injustice and all the hurt and all the death and all the evil are going to be defeated. They do not have the last word. Yeah. And Jesus proved that at an empty tomb and he's coming again to make it ultimately all right. Yeah, that's beautiful. And we should probably wrap up with that because I, I think that when I think of um, this conversation, I know for me as a young boy, and I know for a lot of people, the concept of the end times, because they've seen too many movies mm-hmm. with Armageddon and all that, it really scares them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's quite the opposite. Um, this is the removal of all of this uh, negativity. Right. And it's a purging. It's a purging, yeah. and, it's, it, and it's a really, it's a, it's a beautiful <clears throat> thing that uh, should give us a tremendous amount of hope and encouragement. You know, I had this, uh, you know, this thought of, you know, I see the scriptures being very uh, symmetrical in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so God uh, visited uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, uh, in 2091 B.C., and uh, said, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and right. from you is going to come this blessing, you know, which is the Messiah. And uh, you can imagine that the people lost hope waiting uh, uh, 2,091 minus five or six years, waited 2,090 years for the fulfillment of Christ to come the first time. And all 300 mm-hmm. of those prophecies came together. And I think sometimes for us, we could be thinking, you know what? You know, because uh, I, I tell the story that, you know, when Friday Vacation Bible School came, you know, I was suited up to think I was going to get raptured that night. I said goodbye. <laughs> I said goodbye to my lost parents. And, oh, no. and uh, you know, I wore my best suit thinking I want to meet Jesus with my uh, country club blazer on, even though we weren't members of a country club. And, you know, the end of Bible school comes and I get back on the church bus and go home again and, you know, know Jesus. And you can think right. over a period of time, like, he's just not coming back, right. which is what the book of First and Thessalonians were all about. It's mm-hmm. a group of people right. that really wondered, you know, <clears throat> why isn't it happening? Why right isn't now? it yeah. happening right now? And maybe this is a big farce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been now 221 years, minus five or six, 217 years since then. Mm-hmm. And so 291, 217, you just think, um, you know, they waited that long for the first coming of Christ and all those prophecies were fulfilled. Don't lose heart. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, it just, well, right. we know this thing for sure. We are a day closer. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And in the very beginning of the beginning, Genesis 3.15, mm-hmm. right, Moses, he writes, he said, he's talking about Satan who is the serpent. Mm-hmm. And he says to, to the woman, he says, I'm going to create enmity between your offspring and the serpent's offspring. But like he will bruise your heel, but your offspring will crush his head. Yeah. And that's called the Proto-Evangelion, which mm-hmm. is it's a foresight of what Jesus was mm-hmm. going to do on Calvary in crushing the head of the enemy. And it's it was the beginning of the crushing. And it, as we look at toward these end times, kind of prophecies and revelation, all that, it's towards the finishing yeah. of that work yeah. that was really completed on the cross. So um, it's exciting. It's odd. It's can be disturbing, and it's also, it should give us a tremendous amount of joy and peace. You know, um, John, who received the vision of Revelation, mm-hmm. again, the prophecies are not limited to Revelation, but right. Revelation, you know, basically he's he's put into a, a and he's seeing a vision <coughs> right. on an island, and, um, and he's having to describe things that don't even yet exist, right? right? If, if you take more of a premillennial view, like, right. can you imagine living uh, 200 years ago and describing how 300 people 
could be flying in the air in a big metal bird. <laughs> tube, I mean, what yeah. language yeah. would you use to describe right, right, that, right, right. right? And so there's all kinds of language that he, mm-hmm. or you, you try to describe a cell phone today <clears throat> mm-hmm. or a Zoom call, you know, try to yeah. describe that back in the first century, right? And yet he sees this vision, he gives it to us, we're trying to understand it, but it was intended to purify us and to give us hope. And then he gets to the end of the book and the end of the Bible, and he ends with the prayer, Lord, come quickly yeah lord come quickly in yeah. and, and, and the idea uh, <clears throat> we're hoping that this podcast even though they're hopefully we solved some things for you we gave you a framework to think for yourself dive into the scriptures we told you why you want to do it but hopefully at the end of the day you're basically saying oh when i saw the vision even though i don't understand it i want more people who know mm-hmm. jesus to be praying that prayer lord yeah. please come right. come that's how the bible ends yeah well thanks my friend you bet we did a great right. time, yeah. <laughs> and we probably really muddied the water for somebody out there. <laughs> but um, but you know, if you have any questions, any thoughts, or anything like that, please comment. If you on YouTube or on our Podbean page or anywhere else, you can email me t kennedy at westsidefamily.church. We would love to hear from you. Get your questions and um, and to help inform even future podcasts as we move forward. So God bless you guys. Be on the lookout because Jesus is coming again. Amen. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.